Welcome to the McKenzie Investments Podcast. This is the podcast where we have conversations with our experts and get their take on the current events and how they may impact markets. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKenzie Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnur, and I'm delighted to have Ono Rutten as my guest today. Ono leads our efforts in precious metals and metals and mining. He works with the McKenzie Resource Team as a portfolio manager and is the lead manager of the McKenzie Precious Metals Fund. Ono, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Matthew. Delighted to be here. I've invited you here today to talk about a uh, fairly topical uh, um, conversation about gold. Um, we've seen gold this year do extremely well, uh, but having uh, worked with you for, for a number of years, I know that you recommend a strategic allocation of gold. So I'm looking forward to your, your thoughts on gold as a whole, but let's start by uh, understanding your rationale for a strategic allocation to, to gold. Yeah, thanks, Matthew. Um, what we've really been arguing for a long time is that gold, if you add it to a financial portfolio of assets uh, in the quantum of 5 to 10%, in the long run, what that gives the investor is both higher returns and lower volatility. So we truly believe that through the cycle investing in gold, uh, provides the investor with a much better experience with regards to their investments. I think we all agree that investors like lower volatility and higher returns. So that has been the historical argument to add 5 to 10% of gold bullion and gold equities to a port traditional portfolio. Over the past years, though, and this goes back to since 2008, there has been an added argument for uh, being a bit more pressing on adding gold to a portfolio. And that has to do with the fact that there has been a big divergence since 2008 between the growth in the real economy and the growth in money supply. So central banks started taking a much more aggressive role in the economy since 2008 and have started to provide much more money to the economy primarily to start pushing rates down, uh, but also to influence the supply of money to society and to stimulate the economy. Um, so since 2008, this whole discussion became less abstract. It became much more pressing in our view for investors to add an asset to their portfolio that protects them to against the loss of purchasing power that you will experience over time if governments print more money than what the economy truly is actually producing. Uh, fair enough. Um, I'd like to sort of tackle the two points that you, you hit there. Uh, the first being effectively, just historically, it's uh, helped diversify portfolios and, and led to better outcomes. The second being uh, the increase in money supply. Maybe we'll start with the second one first. Um, when I think about increase of money supply, um, clearly, that's happened uh, globally. I mean, COVID has really uh, ramped up uh, money supply everywhere globally. Um, 
you know, why gold in that case? Uh, it, it strikes me that any sort of real asset would provide the same uh, sort of protection against uh, increase in money supply. So, so specifically, why gold? Uh, first of all, I, I do agree with you that there's uh, many, let's call them hard assets, but that term is sure. often overused. But let's talk about assets that have a limited supply. Um, and for an investor, that can be real estate. It can be the equities of good companies, companies that actually have pricing power um, and that have a, can command a premium for their product over time. So that's the good companies, as we call them. Uh, but it also applies to um, rare cars. It applies to art, to diamonds, and to gold. So to address your question, why gold in that basket of uh, investment opportunities, gold is very liquid and gold has a proven history of repricing immediately. And if we think about real estate, for example, real estate is not liquid. Real estate is bound to a location. And as we all know, has massive transaction costs. Sure. Um, equities, uh, you have to be good and you have to have a good manager. And McKenzie has several of those to take high quality companies that can uh, sustain their pricing power through the cycle. Uh, but we all know that the equity market can be volatile in its own right. And if we go into the rarer class of rare cars or diamonds, of course, that's only a niche investment market. Sure. So gold is the, the more easy facilitator for an investor to express this view to be invested in hard assets. And we contrast that against assets that might lose purchasing power over time. And in particular, with the pace at which money supply is accelerating now, um, one can start getting to be concerned about the principal on a bond, for example. Because remember, the principal is $1,000 that will be paid back to you, let's say 10 years from now, if you buy a US treasury. But imagine a world where the money supply has doubled over those 10 years. The dollar that you get back, the $1,000 that you get back in 10 years from now, would have a purchasing power that's only half of what it gives you today. And right. that's the, the real contrast here is to, to focus on assets that are uh, independently valued from the money supply. Um, and that's where gold definitely plays a role here. And your original question was phrased, well, you've been on this theme for quite a long while. Well, the money yeah. supply started accelerating since 08 relative to the economy. But of course, the past six months, we've seen money supply exploding relative to the real economy. If anything, the real economy has shrunk, but the money supply has accelerated very, very fast. Imagine 30, 40% year over year. Um, so on that basis, we think investors should start focusing more in reviewing their portfolios and making sure that they have protection within the portfolio against accelerated money supply. The first tool in a portfolio construct would be to focus on good companies, 
And we've always been very much supportive of investing in good companies. Um, and, and McKenzie has portfolios with, with Paul Musson's team, the Ivy product, or think about Darren's products on the dividend funds. Uh, yeah. those, those focus on good companies, good equities. But there comes a point in a portfolio where you maxed out on your equity allocation because the volatility becomes too high. Uh, especially if you start increasing the equity allocation relative to the fixed income allocation. And that's exactly the moment where gold can play a role. Because gold is an alternative hard asset, a quality or an asset that is in limited supply, just like the limited supply of good companies in the equity market. And it has a correlation that's very low relative to the equity market or in times of distress, typically it's negative correlated. So now you add to your portfolio another quality hard asset, but one that reduces the volatility of the overall portfolio. Makes makes sense. Um, I, I wanted to pick up on, on one uh, thing within your answer there. And when you're talking about money supply and you, you gave the example of the bond, um, I think what you're really talking about is inflation. Um, and, and correct me if I've uh, misunderstood, but if we're talking about inflation, despite the increase in money supply, we aren't seeing that uh, similar increase in inflation. How important is inflation picking up to the gold story? Um, or is it possible that gold is able to uh, act as a ballast or something with low correlation to equities, even without inflation? Very good question. And uh, you, you might notice I always avoid using the word inflation. Yes. Because infla <laughs> inflation is typically measured with reference to bread and butter and to, uh, to a basket that's fairly right. arbitrary defined by central banks. What we have to be concerned about here at McKenzie is to provide the financial future for our investors. And in particular, to think about retirement savings, et cetera. Sure. And this is a very different consideration now. We're not talking about the inflation on bread and butter. We're talking about the inflation in anything we want to do 10, 20 years from now. And imagine you right. would like to buy a cottage 10 years from now. What you've noticed is that real estate, urban real estate, but now even rural real estate, is accelerating in price way faster than incomes. Again, a well-established trend over the past 10 years, a trend that's accelerating right in front of our eyes over the past six months. And that's asset inflation, because those assets are accelerating faster in price than incomes. And you can imagine education. Think about saving for education for your kids. Uh, the government says there's two, three percent inflation. Well, we all know that the inflation in education is in the high single digit as a minimum right. over the past decade. Think about healthcare, which is accelerating at 10 percent plus. Uh, those are the items that you probably want to save for in the future. And the prices for those services and those assets is accelerating way faster than just the inflation on the bread and butter. Uh, 
Uh, fair enough. Great point. Um, I have a, a client that specifically pushes back on this idea of gold uh, within the portfolio. Um, and I don't think anyone would argue that historically you have seen gold be low, lowly correlated to equity markets. Um, this idea of an inflation hedge certainly certainly has made sense or, or uh, protecting, I guess, against uh, asset rises in your language uh, certainly makes sense um, historically. But going forward, gold, um, you know, the, the usefulness of gold uh, doesn't seem like it's very large anymore. I mean, since Bretton Woods uh, broke down, there's no direct tie from currency to gold. Uh, it doesn't really act, um, you know, it doesn't underlie uh, too many industrial processes. It's li- really just a store of value because collectively we've decided that. Um, would you agree with that characterization? And second of all, why would you expect it to persist? Well, I, I would go exactly the other way. It says, especially since Bretton Woods was uh, eliminated in 1971, there's an even more important role for gold uh, for an investor. Because what we, of course, did is we developed a system of fiat currencies. And I can actually go the other way and say, what's the value of a Canadian dollar? Or what determines the value of a US dollar? Very sure. relevant one. Um, sure, it's quote unquote a reserve currency. But what is that measured against? And that's what really is the fundamental question here is you're looking for assets that have intrinsic value irregardless of the currency. Because the currency, as we established earlier in this conversation, is being printed at a very fast rate and a rate that's not linked to the economy. So please go out and find assets that can be independently valued from the currency. And that, again, comes back to equities. Equities are valued independently of the currency uh, because in the end it's the value add that the company provides to their products. And gold is an alternative currency, uh, but a currency that cannot be printed and that cannot be supplied at whim. And that's the big difference. So there is actually a real value for that alternative currency in my view and to as regards to the usefulness uh, gold is an asset that you can sell tomorrow in a liquid market or you can buy in a liquid market uh, people underestimate the depth of the of the gold market and gold bullion is a very readily marketable asset that then pays you out in whatever currency you want it to be paid out let's take central banks as an example, which have been aggressive buyers of gold over the past several years, especially in countries that feel pushed in a corner in the world economy. Think about Turkey, think about Kazakhstan, Russia, Mm -hmm. China. Uh, They have been aggressively buying physical bullion over the past three to five years. And every year has seen more purchases. And just now, this past month, it turns out that Uzbekistan sold a whole lot of their gold in the post-COVID crisis. And my question to you is, was that useful for them? And I think it was very useful for Uzbekistan to sell their gold because clearly they had a currency crisis 
clearly they had a hole in their economy and they fast needed liquidity to pay their bills. And the bills are quite often denominated in US dollars. Uh, so what's a better way than create liquidity for yourself to sell the asset that's in demand, that's liquid, and that can be sold right now in the market. So central banks are using gold actually as a store of value and transact upon it. When they have excess savings, they buy gold. And when they're in a bind in the corner, they sell the bullion. And they suddenly have hard currency to keep the economy going. To me, that's an extremely useful asset. And I think the, the, the collective world economy uh, for 2000 years has decided that gold is one of those assets that you can rely upon at any given time. And why? Because you just can't produce gold at a whim. Relative to the amount of gold out there in the world economy, the amount that the mines produce is very little. So there's a very yeah. little trickle of new supply. So you're sitting with a fixed amount of a readily accepted asset. Um, so that is a very useful asset in my view. Makes makes a lot of sense. Um, last question for you, Ono. If, uh, if you are sitting with a portfolio without gold or gold miners, I'll, I'll uh, throw in um, uh, within it, and you're contemplating an allocation, uh, and you're looking at the past, uh, call it one year. I know that your fund has done extremely well during this time. Uh, gold, it's and in, in it's uh, on its own has run up in price over the the past um, nine months, particularly. Um, what do you think about making an allocation now, and and what do you think about the shorter term prospects of of gold? Yeah. Um... To, to wrap up the, the longer term allocation question, we actually did publish, and it was it was not foresight, uh, but coincidentally, we published a white paper on the long term allocation for bullion um, in uh, February this year in a white paper called More Money is Coming Your Way. Mm. And I call it foresight, um, or it was not foresight, but we saw the trend of expanding money supply already happening. And then with COVID, of course, it accelerated. And all sure. the arguments in the paper to allocate 5 to 10% of your portfolio to gold bullion or gold equities uh, has become that much stronger, the reason for doing that. Um, but the other thing that the um, paper pointed out, and that's to answer your question directly, is um, gold in the end reflects the cost of money out there in society, uh, the cost of holding it. Because equities can pay you a dividend, can pay you an ongoing return. Gold does not. Right. So as real yields come down, the cost, the opportunity cost of holding gold comes down as well. And real yields are the nominal yields, so take a treasury minus inflation. And for easy math today, 0.7% uh, on the 10-year U.S. Treasury and inflation expectation in the long run of 1.7% uh, because central banks tell us they want that 2% traditional inflation. That means yeah. your real return on holding a U.S. Treasury is negative 1% today. 
And why is it so low? Because typically there's a real positive yield on assets. That's, of course, because all governments have decided we need to stimulate the economy as aggressive as we possibly can. Sure. What we found, and that's the, the answer to your question, is if we look over the past 50 years, when real yields are negative, gold on average returns 17% per annum. So gold gets on that positive price trajectory as long as the carrying cost of gold, the opportunity cost of gold, is zero, or if anything, it's actually negative. Negative. So there is no opportunity cost to holding gold today. And that dynamic creates incremental buying for gold. Because any pension allocator, any institutional allocator, any retail investor will decide there's no value in holding treasuries because I'm eroding my savings at a rate of 1% per annum. I need to look for alternatives. That's when the buying in gold occurs. So a 17% per year clip on gold, that's what you're buying into today. Because the question you have to ask yourself as an investor is, are the governments in the position to get real yields back in positive territory in the near future? Hmm. And with unemployment globally hovering in the developed markets, hovering around 8 to 15%, depending where you look, that's the structural unemployment we're dealing with right now. Right. Um, then I conclude very quickly that governments will have to keep on stimulating the economy. The voters have decided they want better healthcare, they want better infrastructure, they want a better environment, a switch to the green energy plans. The voters are not going to tolerate governments here that are going to sit on the purse strings. They want the governments to advance society and they want this unemployment to come down. To do that, governments will have to keep yields very low. They have to keep on spending fiscally. So fiscal stimulus is needed, and Canada is doing plenty of it. The U.S. is debating, but I strongly believe there's another fiscal wave of stimulus coming in the U.S. as soon as the elections are behind us. Uh, So the governments will be spending money. The central banks will be facilitating the spend of that money by printing as much money as they can, one, to keep yields down, and two, to directly or indirectly fund the governments that have a massive hole in their budget. And this is not a far-fetched concept. In the UK right now, the central bank actually has a window where the government can take money. So they they made it transparent. The government knocks on the central bank's door and takes money. I'm, I'm... convinced that we will see that type of uh, monetary and fiscal stimulus and the financing of all those deficits accelerate over the next several years because we need to answer all those questions of unemployment, of getting back to work after COVID and getting green investments in the society, getting better healthcare, better infrastructure. So I think with high conviction that we're on a path here of monetary stimulus. And with that, uh, central banks have to keep real uh, rates very low. 
And then I just look at the past. I say that normally gives you a positive rate of return on gold investments over time. And then the last question to that is really the execution part. Do you invest in bullion or do you invest in the gold equities? We always say do a bit of both. Okay. Equities are correlated to the equity market. And that's the other criticism you get from some of your clients when the equity market goes down. Gold equities typically go down. Sure. Uh, my retort to that is it's very short correlation, then the equity start looking back to the bullion and bullion typically correlates negatively or no correlation to the equity market. And the COVID sell-off in March of this year was a good illustration. Gold sold off for a few days, gold equities sold off for a few weeks. Uh, but what is the asset that recovers the quickest is bullion because bullion takes its own cues with the economy and then shortly after the gold equities follow. So the allocation for the less risk tolerant investor would be more bullion, less of the gold equities. The more right. risk tolerant investor would take a bit more equities because historically equities have outperformed bullion over time. So that's the allocation piece. Um, but needless to say that we are a strong believer of that structural allocation of 5 to 10% in the portfolio. And given what's going on in the economies right now, given what central banks are doing, you of course believe more in the higher end of that range than the lower end of that range. Oh no, thank you so much for your time. This was very enlightening. I appreciate it. Thank you, Matthew. And good luck. The content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes, and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns.